This CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint is brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoints, and here is your host, Sanjog All. Welcome, listeners. Uh, this is Sanjog All, your host, and the topic for today's conversation is DIY, which is do-it-yourself e-discovery, right for you. And I have with me Jonathan Rudolph, and Jonathan is the e-discovery manager and staff attorney at CRR Bard. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, how is uh, the work going? Is it is it very busy? Uh, are you having a chance to play two rounds of golf every week? Yeah, not not hardly. Um, it, it's been really challenging trying to um, take a company that didn't really have anything formal in place and, and trying to give it some semblance of order uh, and strike that balance between what do we keep, what do we send out, what do we keep out there, uh, and then how to integrate all of it. So with that said, it's a great segue from uh, the first question. Now, for most organizations, e-discovery is truly non-core, but it still is an important function which is critical to the business. So what would make a compelling business case to justify bringing e-discovery activity in-house? Well, actually, e-discovery is a, uh, in a core requirement for companies that are hev- heavily regulated, like with the, uh, the healthcare industry. Um, and so it, it's something that you need to, to really look at your, your bottom line in terms of what you're spending every year because it's a required component. You have to factor this into your budget. Um, so if you're, if you're spending uh, high six or, or seven figures on your e-discovery costs every year, it's really time to start taking a look at what you can do to bring those costs down. If there's a lot of litigation, you absolutely have to consider bringing some of your e-discovery in-house. Now, just bringing the cost down, is that compelling enough? Is that the only uh, element or the very business case that you're referring to, or is there something else? For, for, the, for larger corporations, um, like with, uh, with BARD, the, the primary concern is financial. But there are the other concerns that you have to deal with are whether or not you want or have uh, better access and insight into the data that you have regarding your cases. Uh, what is my, uh, my pre-case assessment of where I can go with this? What do I have to worry about? Some, uh, some companies are trending more towards we want to have hands-on access to our data so that we know at all times where we're at. We don't want to rely on outside counsel to tell us what they think is important when we know Uh, better for our company, what is or is not. Now, with that said, how should an organization prepare DIY e-discovery? You mentioned that when you came in, there were not very much processes, and so you must have had a full journey from soup to nuts. So can you share that a little bit? And when you are really going to come in, suppose you came in and there was nothing available, so it was a green field, you're starting from scratch. Now, if there was already something going on, they may have to do something differently with respect to insourcing. So how would the two differ? So let's start with the first one. So how does an organization prepare? Well, the first thing that you need to do is you have to make sure that your different departments are on the same page and that they are all involved in the process. You can't have IT going out without the law department or the law department going out without the IT department to pick solutions. Uh, 
the, the second that you have one going out on its own, you're not going to wind up taking into account the needs of the other department. There's going to be resentment. There's going to be infighting. It's going to be very difficult to try to implement something. So the most important thing is make sure everybody is on the same page. Uh, to that end, you really need somebody who speaks both languages. Um, the advantage that I've had is that uh, I'm, I'm a lawyer by degree. I've spent a lot of time as a civil litigator. I've also spent a lot of time in the tech industry. So I understand what both needs are. Having somebody who can do that really helps to bridge the gap. So that's, that's the first thing that I think that you, that you have to um, have when you're starting to, to put a, a process together. Uh, when you're dealing with something that's starting from scratch, it's a little easier because there's no preconceived notions of things. Uh, it's much easier for the person who's acting sort of as that liaison to tell both sides what they need to do rather than to get one side to conform to what the other side either already has or says it needs. Um, IT can be notoriously difficult in, in trying to get um, their cooperation because they view any kind of uh, attempt to, to tell them what to do as an incursion on their territory. And that, that does create its own set of problems. Um, the second thing that you need to do is you have to evaluate what kind of resources do you need from a human point of view. Does it make sense to bring anything in-house because is it going to cost you more in salary than it is to outsource? So th those two things together, I, I think, are the, the most important things that you need to have. And would you say that things would be any different when you already see some sort of an e-discovery effort going on and they may have... Uh, outsourced quite a few of it, or for that matter, the whole uh, e-discovery is being outsourced, how would someone differently prepare their organization to bring something in-house? I think it may be a little easier once you have something that's already in place and that you're, you're trying to fine-tune it, because you have a better sense of the costs that are involved, and the primary goal is going to be to bring the costs down, so you have some kind of a benchmark to work down from. Whereas if you're starting from scratch, nobody knows what the cost is really going to be. And you have to worry about setting a bar too low and then going over that. And then people saying, well, you know, you told us you were going to bring all these costs down or keep them down. And, uh, you know, we're going over by 100,000, 300,000, whatever the number might be. So if there's something that's already in place, you can say, okay, we know how much time and how many man hours are going into the review of our data because we see the billing from the outside contractor. We know how many hours they're spending. Is it feasible to hire enough people to do that level of review at the same or lower cost? So I, I think it's rather than starting from scratch, it's easier to start when you have something that's already in place. And the only thing that becomes a sticking point is trying to get both sides to work together uh, because they've already been used to working independently. Now, we speak about people, process, and technology as the three elements, the three legs of a stool on which success with respect to e-discovery would sit on. Now, with that said, do you think there are any standard benchmarks, blueprints, or holy grails that you think can be put in place up front, which will allow you to go through a predictable path versus finding your way as you move along? Yeah, the, the holy grail is going to be where you don't have to have a person putting their eyes on anything until you get to a privilege review. Um, there are solutions that are out there now. A lot of people are, are calling it predictive coding. Um, I don't think that it's 
quite at the stage where you can abandon any kind of uh, any kind of real human intervention. But as far as standards go, everybody does their own thing. Um, there's nothing where, where there is a handbook that says, okay, this is how you want to go about setting things up. Some people prefer keywords. Some people want contextual searches. Some people want somebody doing this manually from top to bottom. There, there is no real consensus of what the proper way to do this is. And that's evidenced by all the different solutions that are out there. They're, they're not all the same. If they were all the same, then you would know that, okay, everybody sort of agrees on what needs to be done. Uh, the, the, the landscape is changing uh, from the court opinions that are coming down. That is driving some of the technology. People are scrambling to catch up. So you have to look to the organization itself and see what makes most sense for the individual organization as it relates to, are you regulated? What is your budget? How many people do you have that can work on this? It, it's really more of a one-off basis now than it is standardized. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at the, the fact where everything, should it be brought in-house or you should seem, uh, leave some elements out? The reason we say this is because if you bring too much in, maybe you do not have the ability to deliver. If you leave too much out, then why in the first place did you even start with DIY? Let's explore this. When we come back, please stay tuned. Take control of e-discovery with flexible, integrated solutions designed for early data assessment, processing, document review, and litigation presentation. LexisNexis offers comprehensive solutions that work together as well as with other industry-leading tools to help you maintain a seamless chain of custody throughout discovery. Most of these solutions can be offered in a hosted environment with access to fully customizable support resources dedicated to your success. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint. Welcome back. So, Jonathan, as I asked earlier, like e-discovery has many facets. So, should an organization bring everything in-house? And if not, which elements would it be best to outsource? My, my emphatic answer to the first part of that question is no. You do not want to bring everything in-house. And the reason for that is really costs of scale. Um, our, uh, our services right now, we're able to outsource uh, to a company that has a staff, an entire staff of attorneys, that the rate at which they're being charged, uh, we can have 20 attorneys looking at documents that if we had to pay salaries uh, with all the attendant expenses, maybe we could hire three people to do the same thing. And you're not going to get, I think, as, as good a level of review because the people who are doing it that you have outsourced, this is what they do. They, they know what to look for. They've been properly trained, uh, assuming you vetted the, the company properly. Um, but these companies are all, for the most part, using actual attorneys as opposed to bringing in people who might have experience within a particular industry. So you absolutely should not be insourcing the substantive review of documents. The things that you should be outs uh, insourcing, rather, are the types of things where you can do initial culling. 
You don't want to outsource denisting, where you're, you're having things that everybody recognizes do not belong um, in a produced set. You can do that yourself with, uh, with in-house processing. You want to be able to do initial culling with basic keywords and things of that nature. You don't need a lot of people looking at that. You know what you can get rid of. You know what is relevant to the case. That's something that, uh, that you want to bring in-house. And the, uh, the costs that are associated with that, you're, you're looking initially at a set of, it could be a million records, two million records, and the cost to go through that large set, if you can cut that way down, you're going to cut costs. And the thing that I've been finding from, from other people who are in similar positions that I'm in, it's the initial costs that they're trying to bring down quickly because they find that if they can call a particular set down they don't necessarily have to send out the entire set for review. They can create subsets that they can also review in-house because they will get the other side to focus on a particular set of keywords and it will make the, the actual review process much less burdensome on whoever is going to be doing it within the organization. Now, with that said, uh we also spoke about the elements, specific elements that you would want to bring in. So is it like a selective insourcing is what you recommend? And if yes, then what pieces would you leave out? The only things that I would consider absolutely unconditionally outsourced would be the actual detailed review once you get past either a denisting or a, a, an initial culling section where people are actually looking at the content to determine whether there is some type of relevance to whatever the discovery demand is. You, you have a, a substantial set of eyes that are going to be looking at that. You're not going to get people who are burning out the way that you would as if you're trying to do this on an in-house basis. They are less likely to make mistakes than if you try to bring this in and have people within the company do it. Plus, you have accountability. You know, that, that should not be discounted. If somebody does something, and you wind up getting uh, sanctioned for, you know, for either missing things, not producing things, mislabeling things. It, it's nice to be able to know that somebody outside your organization is accountable for that. Um, once you bring that in-house, the responsibility falls on you, and you really don't have anywhere to look um, to, to try to undo the problem or to uh, you know, somehow try to recoup some of the costs that are associated with it. Now, when it comes to technological innovations in e-discovery solutions or processes, which ones would you say show more promise in terms of making DIY, which is do-it-yourself e-discovery, a practical undertaking for the organizations? Anybody who is using solely uh, solutions that are solely based on keywords, I think you're way behind the curve. Uh, it's outdated. It's inefficient. I don't think that you're going to wind up complying with the um, expectations that the courts have in terms of what you're supposed to produce in response, at least in, in the federal courts, to, uh, to Rule 26. So you need to have solutions that are going to allow you to do things that will apply contextual analysis. So some of what that might entail is, I don't need to know every single email that's gone to or from the CEO if he's involved in something. It may be that I only want to look at the emails that go between him and somebody in research and development or between him and the CFO 
And you want to be able to restrict things, um, not just on a simple Boolean and or a simple Boolean or. You want to be able to filter by date. You want to be able to filter by whether something was attached. Was it attached and was it um, encrypted, but it shouldn't have been? Those are the types of things that when you bring a solution in-house, it will enable you to have a much better review and a much better handle on what your specific data is. Uh, don't rely just on a keyword. Relying on keywords will, will do nothing but frustrate the people who are involved, uh, take a long time to get through, and in the long run, I think, increase your costs. Do you think the technological innovations or the very technology solutions that are being offered today, are they still missing the mark in terms of making organizations comfortable in bringing things in-house and still be able to produce the desired results? I think they're getting much, much better. Um, you know, based on, on what I saw at Legal Tech this year, a lot of the companies are beginning to understand that you can't do keywords. They have cluster analysis. They allow you to take a look at terms and phrases and the frequency with which they appear uh, with respect to other terms and add in factors like who is it going to? When did it get sent? Um, you know, what, what is the... Um, the location, was it going internally, was it going externally? And also, the things involving predictive coding are getting much better. That's where you're, you're taking documents and you're feeding it into the program to say, this is the type of stuff that I'm looking for. And you go through successive iterations until everybody agrees, okay, it's picking out the documents, types of documents we want, and it's excluding the things that we don't want to see. That aspect of the technology, I think, within the next... 12 to 18 months is going to start being spot on as opposed to having you know, the, the significant number of false positives that they currently return. Finally, what is your message to the technology leaders who are supporting the e-discovery process and for that matter, um, going to help support the do-it-yourself e-discovery process? I think what people need to start doing is they need to be proactive rather than reactive. I think that's the key for having a successful e-discovery program. Rather than trying to put out fires or, or do one-offs every single time something comes in, if you can go into a 26F conference and have an entire package that says, look, these are the terms that we use in these types of cases. This is how many documents it's going to return. We've already done a privilege review. The only thing that we have to do between now and when the last time we did this is run an update off of the new information. We've already done the old information. The advantage that that gives you is there, there was a, a case back in, I think it was January or February of this year, where um, the plaintiffs had agreed to something like that for the defendants. And the defendants uh, produced what they said they were going to produce. And later on, the plaintiffs came back and said, you know what, we've got some additional acronyms we want you to search. And the defendants were able to success, successfully fight that off, saying, you didn't object. We told you what we were going to do. And for the, the slight incremental value of something that you might possibly find, the cost isn't warranted. And the court agreed. So I think that if, if you go in on a proactive basis, you don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. You bring the wheel to them and you tell, look, if you want it modified, you tell us how and why. I think the move should be away from defensibility to justifiability. I'm telling you what I'm doing and why. You tell me why it shouldn't be done that way. And I think that's, that's where the trend ought to be 
for people to be able to bring their costs down and be more successful in the long run. Once again, thank you so much, Jonathan, for sharing your thoughts and insights about the fact that DIY e-discovery is something that most organizations may want to attempt, but there is a process, there is a maturity that needs to be brought in-house before this could be really uh, brought to success. And, and we really thank you so much again. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And listeners, I invite you to find more conversations about e-discovery on our website at www.ciotalkradio.com slash e-discovery. Thank you for listening to CIO Talk Radio Viewpoints. For related programming, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. This CIO Talk Radio Viewpoint was brought to you by LexisNexis Litigation Solutions. 